to have the Word of God in a language you can read without fear of being killed for having it, etc. And so we're thankful for that. I trust that you, we, we take it for granted. Have you read your Bible every day this week? I trust that you have. Hopefully by Sunday you can say, yes, I read Pastor every day. I read the Bible some. And so that should be a every week answer. Lord, if you're tuning in online with us, we're welcome to our Wednesday night service at Little Sandy Baptist Church, 3569 State Route 3307, Greenwich, Kentucky. And if you do not have a regular church home of your own and you live within our uh, driving distance, we'd delight to have you with us here at our church for any of our services, 10, 11, and 6 on Sunday and 7 o'clock on Wednesday. Psalm 15, 1, the Lord who, sh- Lord who shall abide in thy tabernacle, who shall dwell in thy holy hill, he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned or despised, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not, he that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. The Lord is blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, help me this evening as we look into your word. May we be challenged in this wonderful psalm together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Last time we talked about, the first thing we talked about was, I believe it would be security. We have the security of who shall abide uh, in his tabernacle. This really talks about when the ark was taken back up to Jerusalem for being placed in a tabernacle. First time was a, a blowout with Uzzah. 20 years later, I believe it was 20 years, he was in Obed-Edom's house. Is that correct, 20 years? Am I thinking correctly, 20 years between Uzzah? Mm, maybe not. I'm not sure. If it's a tw- but anyway, after Uzzah, uh, it probably wasn't 20 years right there. It must have been after it was recaptured and brought. Anyway, 20 years, or Uzzah dies. David goes back and takes it up the right way. And this is a picture of that. Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Not the temple it had not yet been built. So that's security. Next, we talked about consistency. Is your life consistent? If you were here Sunday night, it was like a home run. <laughs> how, how dim is your light or how bright is your light? I was thinking about that today. We were, we were introducing ourselves at the aging meeting at, at where I work and had a lot of new staff members. And so everybody's supposed to tell uh, what uh, about themselves and what movie they've watched at least three times. Got to, I said, I don't think I've ever watched any movie three times. I don't think. Maybe one, a few of them twice. I said, and then we, somehow I got around to where I was raised and that my mom and dad were, were missionaries. And uh, I said, I would not trade that for anything. I said, I wasn't allowed to say the B-U-T-T word. I wasn't allowed to say pregnant. And I wasn't allowed to do this. But I tell you, I would not trade my anything for the training that I had from my mom and dad. I never went to, I never went to a movie until I was in college. And, so, and they were like... And I, I, I didn't go with their permission. <laughs> so, I, I, that, that too. so that was, I don't go now, by the way, in case you're wondering. I haven't gone since I've been, uh, years and years and years and years. Anyway, but I'm just saying, they were, they, it's, it's so unheard of. I had a chance to say, but you know, the most important is what we do with, you know, ID is I could pastor a church, blah, 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 blah. And so hopefully I have a chance to, there are some and who I work with that have no, I think, understanding. There's a lot of people who have no understanding of what it means to truly be a child of God. So you pray for me, and I'll, we pray for each other. I pray for you every day. Every person sitting in this auditorium, I've prayed for you today. 
and some maybe more than often than once. And so uh, I trust you're praying for me. That's only, that's only fair. <laughs> Can I say it that way? Or that uh, you should be doing that, I believe. So we need to pray for one another. Uh, we need a, consistency. He that walketh uprightly, so it's a right walk in your outline. I think it blanks. The right walk, the right work, and the right words. And the words uh, we find there, the words we're talking about, uh, we talked about slang, not be a part of our lives as they're speaking, our suggestive words, or wrong kind of stories. Make sure your stories are not off color. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That brings us up to chapter 15, verse 3, where we stopped last time. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, but doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. So we're not to be backbiting. We're not to be taking approach against our neighbors. So the f- person, first of all, who's right with God, the person who's learned to be victorious in the Christian life is number one right with God. And that is the, you've got to start there. If you're not right with God, how can you be right with anyone else? And so that's the, we've got to be living how God wants us to live. If there's a root of bitterness, you've got to confess that and forsake that and get back on with tune with God. It's, it's Secondly, the person that's right with his neighbor now, I don't know who you Actually, I know who some of your neighbors are, and I have very, very good neighbors for which I'm very, very grateful for. And so uh, I'm thankful for that. I have a church as a neighbor, right? So if I go out my front door, right, there's a church, the back of the church. And so I have some good neighbors. Truly, I, I do have good neighbors. So we're supposed to be right with our neighbors, not backbiting. Now, first of all, we find it doesn't say bad things about him. He that backbiteth not with his tongue. Uh, and uh, we find that an evil report equals unduly uttered against another. An evil report, an unduly uh, uttered against another. Are you backbiting about your neighbors? I had a, had a gentleman today today. Now he's telling me something I needed to change. And he said, no, I just got to vent for a minute. And so, and so I listened to the event, and he had some good points there. Uh, but he just And sometimes we have to just, I got to get it off my chest. And some, you have to be careful how you do that, you know. But we're not, we're supposed to be saying the right kind of things. Now, uh, as you're turning to James chapter 3, flattery is this, I left your room, saying to a person's face what you'd never say behind their back. As we're turning to James 3, flattery is saying to a person's face what you would never say behind their back. And so for my, the, my co-worker and I, we share an office, and we've been, every weekend of late, it seems we're sharing what you, what you got on the grill this week, and what you got on the grill list. And he's turned me on to a cast iron skillet with, uh, with a Crisco or oil in there and frying your chicken on the grill. You put it on your grill, close the grill, get it good and hot, and then you put your, get in there, and then you put it in milk. And then you wrap it in the Kentucky Colonel breading, roll it in there really good. And then, I want to say pat it, mark it with a B. But you roll it in there really good. And then you get that sizzling hot grease and put it, you turn it three times. Once, the first time put it in, then turn it once, turn it again to get a good brown, and turn, turn it three times, take it out when it's done, and enjoy. And so, he's, so we've been talking about that. So he says, he's telling everybody now that I'm of some kind of famous grill and I need to, I just he just loves making me embarrassed, and so he does talk, talk about things like that. So flattery is saying to a person's face. I'm he probably says the same thing at home, but, but this would be like, wow, what a what a wonderful tie the pastor had on. As soon as you get out of the church, can you see that tie? It didn't even match his shirt, but this one does actually. But you, it's, it's, it's saying somebody's face what you'd never say behind your back. Slander is this, saying behind a person's back what you'd never say to their face. Just the opposite. You're saying something uh, when a person's not around that you would never have the nerve to say to their face. 
And so that's flattery, that's slander. That's the things that should not be part of our speaking, period. James chapter 3, look at verse 8, James 3, 8. If you want a chapter on the unruly tongue, it would be James chapter 3. And the tongue can no man tame is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith, blessed be God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a fig vine figs? So can no fountain yield both yield salt water and fresh. There should not be one time you're this and one time you're that. We should have a consistent testimony. I was writing Pastor Wayne, as I do every Sunday night, uh, a card, and I said, one thing I appreciate about you, Pastor Wayne, is your consistent testimony. You are always the same. You're never like, off the wall and unreserved, you know, happy-go-lucky. He's just consistent. So you know you got the same Pastor Wayne this week you got last week. And the last month you got last year. Ten years ago, you get the same Pastor Wayne you're going to get, you walk over the next door. And so, by the way, I would encourage people, I'd encourage like people who are, who are shut in, send them a card, send them a note, give them a call. That would encourage you. How often have you gotten a card or something in the mail? Wow, it's just, just what I needed. Just what I needed. I have a whole file of pick-me-up cards. Like, man, just when it's lower than a snake's belly and then something comes along and is that okay to say lower than a snake's belly? I think it's okay, right? We don't, you're discouraged and you're distraught and then somebody sends you a little note or just praying for you. Wow! It's like a shot of B12 in the yard. It should go on again. And so we should be, that should be part of us. And so we should not, not in a flattery type sense, if Pastor Wayne was sitting here, I'd say the very same thing. The thing I preach about Pastor Wayne, he's the same thing, consistent every day, every time. And I'd say the same thing. That's the way it should be. It's not like when you get home, I can't believe I said those things about him because none of it's true. That's not what we should be. 3, 12, uh, 3 verse 2. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Now, I have to say, I just heard this morning as I was listening on the way to work that probably the number one offense today in our culture is if you uh, offend somebody or you treat them cruel. If you believe, if they believe what you have said is cruel. And, And sometimes, honestly, it's just the real truth. It is just the simple truth, but people have come to say, oh, that's just a cruel thing, and you shouldn't be saying those things, and we're going to shout you down or shut you out or all these different things because you're saying things you should not. You're going to be in trouble. You can even probably lose your job if it gets carried too far. Backbiting is a very serious thing. And I found this illustration uh, in Dr. Uh, Phillips's commentary. He says these words. Now, this is from Exploring the Psalms. Backbiters murdered David Livingstone's wife. Now, this is the 1800s. As surely as they had plunged a knife into her heart. They never brought the court for it. They were not. But for where is the human court which convict a person of murder on the ground of gossip? Imagine the indictment reading these words. The accused gossips. The victim, Mary Livingstone. The place, the vast solitude of Africa. The time, April 27, 1862. Sometime in the evening. The weapon? Human tongues. 
But they killed her, says Dr. Phillips, as surely as if they had put arsenic in her tea. Mary Livingston was never strong enough to be the constant companion of the pioneer David. For years she struggled through the Africa bush, surrounded by hardships, seeing none other but savage women. But with little children hanging on her skirts, she could struggle no more. She gave up and stayed home with the little ones to pray for her husband as he continued valiantly on. Then the gossips at the white settlements got busy. Why would a man want to leave his wife and plunge into the interior, save the desire to be as far from her as possible? Hearing the scandal that was being bandied about, Dr. Livingston sent for his wife. She obediently came, but the unhealthy climate of the river country with its fevers and malaria proved too much for her, and she died after being reunited with her beloved husband after only three months. Only three months. Oh, my Mary, my Mary, what wept the brokenhearted Dr. Livingston at her lonely graveside. But the gossips at the coast did not hear that. They had done their deadly work months before. God heard the desolate cry of his servant, however, and he gathered up those tears and put them in his bottle to await the judgment day. Ouch for those who were involved in that. You say, Pastor, the tongue kept... Yes, the tongue is... An unruly matter of fact of all things of our body it's the thing that's the least controlled why do you think we put the only way to control a horse is to put a bridle right i said how you control a horse to put a bridle in there you got it really tame and you can put a maybe uh, you, but lots of times it takes that beat in there to hoop the horse from doing the right thing and even then it wants to do its own thing i tell you we need to put some bits in our mouth sometimes as christians i'm just trying to be clear practical for all of us we sometimes speak before we think Maturity. Who has learned to be a victorious Christian in Christian walk? The man who's right with his neighbor. He doesn't say bad things about him. Secondly, he doesn't do bad things to him, nor doeth evil to his neighbor. Verse 3, the word evil there comes from the root word that implies the breaking up of all that is good and desirable. The Greek equivalent is the word porneros, from which we get our word pornography. The word is used especially of moral depravity, corruption, and lewdness. The Lord does not want anyone at his table who tells dirty jokes. He doeth no evil pornography to his neighbor. It is astonishing how much we have let down our guard as Christians in our own country regarding the purity of our eyes and what we listen to and what we do, etc. Doeth bad things to his neighbor. Again, I've told you the story. I just touch on it. Is my, my put that gas down in my grandpa and grandpa's dug well. My dad went down there. He had the explosion that caused all the five surgeries and all the pain he went through and the burns. He was in the burn clinic for two weeks because someone wanted my mom, grandma, and grandpa to leave, put gasoline, open the top, put gasoline down in the well to spoil their water so they would leave. So that is not being the right kind of neighbor. I'm not sure. We do still to this day. We don't know who did it. Thirdly, doesn't listen to what other people are saying about their neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. He doesn't listen to those things. Trap says, the tail bearer carrieth the devil in his tongue, and the tail hearer carries the devil in his ear. We never hear about the tail hearer. All we hear about is the tail bearer. But sometimes, not. are you sure I'm part of the problem? I'm part of the solution? Are you sure you want to tell me this? We could just stop some of that. We just went, oh, oh, just a minute now. Have you said this to the person in question? You know, and so we are not to be listening to that. Question three, what, what you listen to, do you think it greatly affects what you do? Yes. 
How influential are, are, are these things? The ads you see as you're driving down the road or, or the things you're watching. It seems like everything has an advertisement now. You can hardly listen to anything without having an advertisement first. You go online to see some TV news. have to listen to 30 minutes of advertisement before you ever get to the program. It lasts about five seconds. And so 30 seconds of advertisement before you get five or 10 seconds of news. I guess I'm being exaggeratory there. Uh, but we find that it, what we listen to so affects us. You must be right with God first. Then you can be right with your neighbor. Right in your outline, I believe it's right in your outline there, of these words. We are not only forbidden to cast slander, we are forbidden to listen to it. Forbidden to take it up when another has hurled it. I think that one of the great needs of our day is the grace of sanctified hearing. There would be much less evil speaking if there were much less evil listening. I would say uh, amen to that. Fourthly, is humility. If you're still carrying on along with us, humility. By the time a man realizes that maybe his father was right, he usually has a son who thinks that he is wrong. And so often that happens. And, and uh, I tell you, my dad has got wiser and wiser. The older I get, the smarter he gets. I'm not sure how that works. Even though he's in heaven, he still has getting smarter all the time. Of course, by now he's really smart. But the, the, the person right with God, right with him, neighbor. And thirdly, in verse 4, a man right with himself. In whose eyes a vile person is condemned, despised, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. So there is a contempt for violence. In whose eyes a vile person is condemned. Balzal is the word there in Hebrew. Uh, I mean, uh, it's, it's despised. We have taken, I don't know if you are even, I'm sure you follow along. But the power of language has trained, changed our culture. They've taken words and so changed them into meaning what they want them to mean that the power of language has changed us so, so mightily changed us. And I think hardly any of it is for the good. In whose eyes a vile person is condemned, contemned, I mean filthy or nasty, a contempt for sin. This person says that sin is just that sin. Have we not changed a vocabulary to where we have all these words of identity or feelings? Or Do you realize that the abortion movement, the hardly that word is even used anymore? It's freedom. It is reproductive freedom. Or is a woman's freedom. Instead of, I never hear about the child that is losing their life we never we don't want we just don't want to face that if we close our if we put our fingers in our ears and close our eyes perhaps it'll just go away i think people have thought that about hell if we don't read about it if the preacher stop preaching about it and and maybe we don't hear any more about it and we just simply put it out of our mind that then it just will simply disappear it doesn't happen that way as you well know but a lot in the world i believe think that way contempt for violence can Condemnation for virtue. Commendation for virtue. He that honoreth them that fear the Lord. If you're acting virtuously, a commendation for that. A godly person encourages others who are standing for not discouraged, standing for God, not discourages them or bring them down to their level. He is supporting those who are doing the right thing. We should encourage one another. I appreciate you taking the stand for this, etc., etc. That should be us. Contempt for violence, commendation for virtue. Three, committed to victory. Honor them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt. Sweareth is a court term. You, you, you promise, covenant, swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We find then that the original oath was not made rashly or inadvisedly. It is just a case where things take an unexpected turn to his disadvantage, yet he honors it. So if I sell Mr. Womack uh, my paint sprayer 
And I say, Mr. Womack, if for 10 years running that paint sprayer has any problems with it, I will get you a new one. He says, well, okay, I'll take that deal. And so at year nine, nine months, nine days, nine years, it finally boots on him. And he says, Mr. Wright, it's not been 10 years that you've promised me if I ever had a problem, you'd replace it free with no questions asked. But Mr. Womack, you have painted 5,000 houses with this paint sprayer and you have used it. To, it's like it's got paint all over it and you've just used it for, a th- I've got recorded 5,372 hours. And you're wanting a full refund after you've got more value from that paint sprayer than 10? Well, you said you would do that. See, that's the idea. Swear to his own heart, even if it costs him something, he will honor that obligation that he has made. So contempt for violence, accommodation for virtue, committed to victory, and consistent in their vows changes not. When you make a handshake, it is your, whether you spit in your hand or not, when you shake hands, that was your bond. Again, my, my dad could get a loan at the bank in the 1960s in Sayersville National Bank by just a handshake. No questions asked. George, you want? Yes. Whatever you need, George. There we go. Take hands up. That's good. That's all it was. And finally, not only security, consistency, maturity, humility, integrity. Verse 5. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. The person who's right with God, right with his neighbor, right with himself, and finally the person right with his material possessions or his morals. That would be the fourth one. Integrity is an unimpaired condition, soundness, firm, adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values, incorruptibility, the quality or state of being complete or undivided. Just the opposite of duplicity. Duplicity is one who, who does two different things or tries to carry water on both shoulders. It's the opposite. Now, there are, for example, there is uh, an a, a article that said, what is integrity? This is uh, from the Internet from 2000. I forget what it was. Uh, but it was started in 1974. Integrity is, according to this, an organization of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered Episcopalians and our straight friends since our founding by Dr. Louis Crew in rural Georgia in 1974. Integrity has been the leading grassroots voice for the full inclusion of LGBT persons in the Episcopal Church and our, and our equal access to its rights. There is also, uh, it's called, the, I just found out this week, uh, the Association, Association of Welcoming and Affirming Baptists. Founded in 1993, you can just imagine what they are welcoming and affirming. That is not integrity. Integrity is soundness and adherence to a specially moral code. The morality of Scripture is plain. It's not, it's not ambiguous. Provide, it says in Romans 12, 17, things honest in the sight of all men. Truth is like, says Wearsby, the cement that holds society together. If people can get away with lies, then every promise, agreement, oath, pledge, and contract is immediately destroyed. A false witness turns a trial into a travesty and causes the innocents to suffer. It was in 18, about 1865, somewhere in there, after the Civil War, there was a, a, a company offered, President, uh, offered to Robert E. Lee 
to become president of an insurance company and name only. That's all he had to be. He was going to borrow your name. He said, excuse me, sirs, I cannot consent to receive pay for services I did not render. And $10,000 in the 1860s was a huge amount. It's a lot of money now, but a huge amount of money then. It was Bobby Jones who was a lawyer and also an amateur golfer. He was the first to achieve the Grand Slam, winning a single year, the four major tournaments through 1923 to 1930. He won 13 championships in those major tournaments. His record was only unmatched until 73 when the well-known Jack Nicholas surpassed that. But he was, he was uh, playing in a national tournament and he drove his ball into the rough or the woods and he accidentally, his club touched the ball and moved it just a little bit. So when he got to the end of that hole, he, he penalized himself a stroke for that. And he lost the tournament by that one stroke. And they were praising him for being so honest. And he said these words, you might as well praise a man for not robbing a bank. In other words, in other words duh, that's what you're supposed to do. If you do that, just any person who's upright and honest is going to mark himself off that stroke if you are doing and living right. Providing for honest things, 2 Corinthians 8.21, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Hebrews 13, pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. It came home, I must have been, uh, the Lord must have known I was going to preach on this because Saturday I went to Kroger uh, early, early, earlier in the morning. And I went and I got my usual four packs, four or six packs of Diet Mountain Dew. And so I was checking out and I left three in the cart. I put my one up on top and ran through. And as you just say, I've got four of those. So I have to pick them up the cart. Well, I went out. I forgot to say I got four of those. So I went back home because I'd like to see how much money I saved. She only, she only marked me one. I went back to Kroger that very morning, right at lunchtime. Took them back. Went, waited in the same aisle to get the same. I said, now here's what I did. I said, I, I've got four, but you only charged me for one. So I'm going to buy one more. Had to, I mean, I had to buy one more uh, to get the right scan code. And then you charged me, though, for four. And she said, are you sure? I said, yes, I'm sure. She said, well, I was, okay. So anyway, that's, you have to do those things. It was, was it Abraham Lincoln walked uh, several miles to return a penny or something like that. It was, it was uh, amazing. We had to be that. It's, it's called upon us. I like that regarding the compass. I think I put it in your outline. Regarding, look at it when you will. It is pointing, trembling perhaps, but truly to the pole. You and I have to be steady in our Christian walk. People are looking for that, looking at us to be what we should be. And so the marks of a godly man, security, consistency, maturity, humility, and integrity. I was I were taking uh, Dr. Wendell Heller to the airport. He was speak, spoke at Berean many years ago. I said, the number, what's the most important thing for any pastoral, potential pastoral staff person, he says, is integrity. Most important singular thing you must have as a pastoral staff person coming on to my staff or so any other staff is integrity. We are to be that. I, I like that. I know, I know you've probably heard it before. I actually have it in cross-stitch, but I like this little poem, and I will close with this. Why? Why do we need to be these things? And it says, this little, it says, uh, a careful man I want to be. A little fellow follows me. I do not dare to go astray, for fear he'll go the self-same way. I cannot once escape his eyes. Whatever he sees me do, he tries. Like me, he says he's going to be the little chap who follows me. He thinks that I'm so very fine, believes in every word of mine. The base in me he cannot see, the little chap who follows me. I must remember as I go through summer's sun and winter snow, 
I'm building for the years to be the little chap who follows me. I failed so much on that. But we can't stop. We've got to confess and do what's right and go forward. I, I love your prayer tonight, Mr. Womack. A heart of concern. We need to have a heart for concern. If you could not, if you could listen to Sunday night's message and not be stirred, man, we just need to be do more. We need to be faithful. And so I trust you're faithful and praying for God to open up opportunities for you, for the pastor, for all of us to share his wonderful word. And, and the answer, the answer is Jesus. That's the answer. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the psalm. We are thankful for the challenge that it offers. Lord, all of us, whether we are moms, dads, aunts, uncles, friends, cousins, whatever it may be, we need to be walking with you. We have too many Christians who look just like the world. Lord, that's not to be us. I'm not saying to become legalistic. I'm saying we need to be have such a demeanor and such character that people say, what is it about you that is different? Lord, help us to be that. May we be the persons we say we already are. So Lord, walk, help me to do that. I pray especially for myself. Lord, be with us now as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.